0: to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com.
1: Tracy, come here. Um, we didn't mention a whole lot of stuff last night. We're going we're gonna to do it tonight. We didn't do last night. I just want to mention some of this stuff and... and uh, Oh, you got a microphone? Grab one. Yeah, so uh, last night we talked a little bit about just one of these products, these resources. It's called The Four People You Marry. I got to make a disclaimer about this book because when it came out, it jumped to like the top 200 on Amazon super quick, and I was freaking out a little bit. And then I realized when I went back and looked at the description, I didn't put a lot about Jesus in the description. So here's a disclaimer. This book is not about polygamy or polyamory, right? (laughs) A lot of people bought this book, thought they were getting one thing, ended up getting the gospel. That was kind of cool. Um, so, so. And
2: we're mentioning it tonight because a lot of people have come to the table and they're like, "What is that?" Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. four so,
1: people, you mean? So, uh, uh, so we again we celebrated thirty years of marriage this year. And she, I met her, I met her when I was five years old, and I moved into here in the town. My parents decided to move into this in Austin, in, and uh, we lived in this super hippie trailer park in downtown Austin. And uh,
3: uh,
1: her parents and my parents were a little different.
2: Yeah, they were really different. Um, <laughs> my mom was 15 when she got pregnant with me, and she was a, kind of, I call her a young hippie girl. Uh, miraculously, she and my dad are still married today, and that, they beat yeah. the odds. And uh, so here I was, the child of these teenagers, and my mom was a belly dancer.
1: Not ballet. Yeah,
2: not ballet, but belly, belly dancer. dancer. I don't know how familiar you are with belly dancing, but I learned how to play the <laughs> Arabic drum and
1: <laughs> Somebody's like, yeah.
2: <laughs> so I grew up, my mom like God was really important to her, so she made sure that we were in church. So every Sunday morning, and we I grew up in the Baptist church. So we were there, and then uh, vacation Bible school and Sunday school. Um, I was at all the stuff. Bella but on, Dancing
1: Baptist. Yeah, that's a, Bella, <laughs> that
2: was a new yeah. twist. <laughs> but then, every Wednesday night, I was down at the University of Texas at the Union, where my mom would dance and perform. And she would do drum circles. So I grew up, I had a really eclectic kid, childhood. Yeah. And here he was, the son of these... A little bit older evangelists, um, and they traveled around the world, and they were part of what was called the holiness movement. Well, at least his Which dad was back in the lacked, day. Only lacked
1: only lacked two things: holiness and movement.
2: <laughs> That's what his dad always said. <laughs> so,
1: but her dad, her, yeah. her, her uh, my, my dad, and, and became like good friends with her parents and started discipling them. But they saw some interesting quirks, like Tracy. Gotta tell about the first time I ever heard you say anything.
2: Yeah, so one of the things about belly dancing, my mom danced with a sword. Like and, you do. Um, I don't know it's if you've thing. seen that, but they can balance a sword on their head and and dance. And so she would do this. So one day she was practicing in our trailer.
1: Wait, wait. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> that phrase. Sword dance in a trailer. In
2: a, in a trailer, yeah. Baptist
1: belly yeah. dancing sword dance yeah, in, a in a trailer. A
2: trailer. <laughs> And so she, she went to do her little twirl, and she bumped into the television stand, and the sword fell off her head and went into her leg, and blood was going everywhere.
1: Stabbed her in the leg. So
2: as a kid, I ran to the next-door neighbors, which happened to be them, because they were new to the trailer park. And uh, I knocked on the door, and, I, and how do you say it? You
1: heard me. <laughs> First words I ever heard my future wife say, Can you come and help us? My mama stabbed herself with a sword. <laughs>
2: Uh, I dropped the accent as I I got older. (laughs) I was
1: terrified. So I married her.
2: (laughs) And so his mom came over and helped my mom out. My mom got stitches, and then the rest was history. Um, His parents kind of introduced my parents to things like the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, mm. and took them to revival meetings. I remember the first time I heard that word, and it was a revival meeting. What is that? And uh, so it all kind of started Worked there. Good. You never know. I don't know what your background is, what your beginnings are. You never know where you might end up. But God's in all of it. They're so your story is pretty cool, even if you don't know it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So we wrote this book called The Four People You Marry, and just in a nutshell, they are the person you think they are, the person they think they are, the person they are at this point in their life, and the person that they are becoming. And problems arise in marriage when you fall in love with one or two out of the four. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, the other ones will show up, I promise you, <laughs> All right? And if you're not prepared for that, you might think, oh my goodness, I did not sign up for this. It's the moment you, you wake up and you look over that. at the person you're married to and go, Who are you and what have I done? Yeah. So.
2: And that's why you need this other book called Reckless Grace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great segue. That was wonderful.
2: It? it all goes so, together. It's I know a, a lot of you have got
1: this and have read this. Reckless Grace is uh, based on a verse in John chapter 20. Um, Jesus is risen from the dead and he does something he only ever does twice in the Bible. He breathes on the disciples. Once in Genesis and once in John 20, after the resurrection, he goes, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this really strange phrase, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. It's an interesting verse. I was kind of glossed over it until I felt like the Lord arrested my attention about a decade ago and said, uh, why, don't you, why don't you just pretend that verse is actually true and take responsibility for releasing my grace over people? Crazy stuff starts happening when you start stewarding and brokering the grace of God and declaring it over people's lives. God will ignite within you a supernatural compassion that can break the chains of sin, addiction, all kinds of junk off of people, including yourself, by the way. I like that,
2: actually, acting like it's true. That reminds me of something Bill's dad used to say, too. He He said this... Okay, like when you go in a restaurant, right, and they hand you a menu, do you ever... Typically, well, maybe pre-COVID, you'd probably never wondered, do they actually have everything on the menu? You just order and you have faith in the menu that what it says you're going to get. And so he <laughs> said, that's how we need to treat this. This is the menu. And so we can act like it's true and we don't have to There's doubt. Healing
1: in it, forgiveness, salvation, everything that you, yeah. and if it's in, on the menu, it's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dad yeah. was a super simple guy. I liked it. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, we got some cool teachings back there. There's one, uh, this, I know a lot of you have this one. It's been around for a while. It's called Project 24. 24 hours of teaching on identity. God told Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you, which means you could be known before you knew you could be known. So what did he you know? What he knew and what he has always known about you is the truth of who you really are. He's not watching to see what you do to see how he's going to feel or think about you. Made up his mind about you long before you had the chance to impress him or disappoint him. 24 hours of teaching on that. And uh, then there's one called walking in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's 12 hours of teaching on spiritual joyfare. I didn't say warfare. I said joyfare. Joy fair is way more fun. You get way more done because here's 12 hours in three words. Ready? Demons hate joy. Demons and religious people all hate joy.
2: Careful. It's a brand
1: new one. Yeah. <laughs> brand new one back there called uh, Daniel. I just, we just called it Daniel. And uh, that
2: one has you know. very professional packaging. Yeah. Um, Is that your handwriting? That's my handwriting. That's great.
1: <laughs> and so that's 10 hours of teaching. So it's last night, but expanded into 10 hours. And there's one more I'll mention. It's called Beyond the Veil. It's, uh, it's an eight hour series on the, the Old Covenant Tabernacle, inspired by a lot of John David, actually. And uh, yeah, I love this guy. Come on. One of the greatest teachers. Uh, I gave him on you. your seat. It's good. All right. All right. You can have it. Um, the, uh, uh, the tabernacle was laid out in the shape of a cross, the old covenant tabernacle. God directed it to be laid out in a certain configuration. But when you look more closely at it, it actually resembles a human body. And you would enter in at the feet, and the journey was from the feet to the head. And what it is is you realize that going through the process of worship in the tabernacle, that the tabernacle was actually God giving us a glimpse into the new covenant invitation toward intimacy with him. In other words, to actually get to know his heart, get to know his mind, and find that that's actually where you belong. It's where you're worthy of dwelling there. So it's called Beyond the Veil. This, though, we've actually never had until now. This is brand new. Tracy is like a tea connoisseur. You You have to, like, pray for my wife and her addiction. Every morning, we get up, and we have to drive to find quality sweet tea. Right, because you can take the girl well, out of or, Texas, or half but, and
2: half tea. But he gets okay. embarrassed because so, I'm cutting back on sugar, so I ask them, "Can you give me mostly unsweet tea with a little bit of sweet, anyway?"
1: It's so history. complicated. But
2: I, I don't even. Okay, so this is kind of odd. This this is probably part of my midlife crisis. If I had a crisis, <laughs> I don't know. But we have tea available. So she
1: created, <laughs> she custom created a tea that's never been seen or tasted before, and she calls it the Kingmaker tea. and There's another one back there uh, as well, but um, it, it's kind of fun. We we got this, and uh, and and she just touches every bag, prays over them all. And here's the thing: I, it's it's nothing weird or spooky about it. But I'm thinking, if Paul can take cloth, the Apostle Paul can take cloth knowing the value of anointing, and hand it to people to say, go take this over to Aunt Edna, and she gets delivered or healed because he knows the power of the anointing. I tell you, we've been traveling, speaking, ministering for 30 years. I know the power of anointing. So when my wife goes and lays hands on something, I don't care what it is, it carries some glory on it. So I'm just super stoked to see what kind of crazy testimonies we're going to get from somebody who says, I was drinking a cup of tea, (laughs) and suddenly there was an angel sitting. I don't know, whatever. I do, yeah. So...
2: A long time ago, we had... You know what? Actually, there's 37 minutes left, so you go preach, and I love you all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. All right, here we go. I got a, I got a word uh, that I've never actually preached before, and uh, really showed up about a week and a half ago, but, but yesterday, Thursday morning, I woke up, and I sat down in, in my kitchen, and I just preached this whole word to nobody and recorded what I had said. And then I had to go back and listen to what I said. I never do that, by the way. It's not, not something I normally do, but it was just burning in my heart. And uh, this glory of God just came into the kitchen. I thought, man, what is going on here? And I realized something that, that was fascinating to me. Uh, two years ago, we did this very conference, Last Heart and Soul You Guys Had, and at that time, God did the exact same thing. He dropped a word into my spirit that I first preach at this conference. That word grew into a word that's called the voice of your blood, and it's been taken all over the nation. <clears throat> and I felt like the Lord said, and, and, and that was the start. That was like the moment that that word kind of had its inception, and, uh, and it developed and, and grew into something that really has, has touched a ton of people. And I felt like the Lord said, that's, that's kind of what this conference is, Bill, for you. Uh, you, you you're going to get something fresh that's going to be taken out of here and goes around the nation. So I'm preaching something again that I've never actually talked about before. And it's sort of the second part to that message that I actually started uh, two years ago. And that message essentially, in a nutshell, went like this. Uh, God comes to Cain in, in uh, Genesis chapter 4 And uh, he says to Cain, after Cain has killed his brother, he says, Cain, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now the ground will no longer work for you. In other words, the ground's going to be angry with you all the days of your life. You're going to walk on an angry ground, farmer. And Cain suddenly realizes that the murder he's committed now has consequences. But here's the way the consequence works didn't have anything to do with God cursing Cain. We never see that God curses Cain. Actually, God protects Cain. Um, But God comes simply as a messenger to tell Cain something has been set in motion here. And it has to do with the voice of your brother's blood. In other words, at the very core of who you are. What's the voice of your blood? The Bible says that life is in the blood. It says life and death are in the power of the tongue. It also says, out of the abundance of your heart, which pumps your blood, your mouth speaks. So you can tell what's in your blood by what comes out of your mouth. It's the very core of who you are. When you are under pressure, especially. When you're facing uncertainty, when you're in suffering, when you're in those moments of basically the greatest weakness and vulnerability, what comes out of you, like tea. And so... In that moment of Cain murdering his brother Abel, according to God, Abel said something from his heart that released a generational curse over his brother that followed him all the days of his life. In other words, what Abel, a man made in the image and likeness of God, spoke from his heart, the ground, the earth, the atmosphere and the environment had to obey. Isn't that interesting? You're more powerful than you think, by the way. Your words carry weight. You fast forward to Hebrews chapter 12 and you see that uh, writer of Hebrews says that we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the new Jerusalem, the general assembly, church of the firstborn, myriads of angels to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant of the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Interesting, because it contrasts, not compares, Jesus and Abel. And basically says what Jesus spoke from the cross is a better word than the blood of Abel. Why? Because Jesus on the cross is hanging there and says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The The last act of God in the flesh here on the earth was to forgive our ignorance. Not because we were repentant or because we deserved it or even sorry for what we had done. Jesus looks at a whole bunch of people who don't deserve what he's about to say and says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's amazing. His blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So if Abel, from the depth of his being, released a word that the earth had to obey, that released a generational curse over his brother that followed him all the days of his life, what do you think the voice of the blood of Christ released over us. A generational grace goes all the way back to Adam and steps all the way down here to you and I in San Marcos tonight. If the blood of a goat could forgive the sins of an entire nation for a whole year under the old covenant, what do you think the blood of the Lamb of God did? It reset things and validates your innocence. And so now we come to tonight. And the phrase that's been gripping my heart comes from Luke chapter 24, and and here it goes. Luke chapter 24, and starting in verse 14. I just want you to follow with me. I'm I'm gonna read this and then talk to you a little bit. It says, and they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. A couple of guys, by the way, that are walking the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented, prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? I mean, if you know, when Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's trying to provoke or prompt something here. He's trying to provoke some speech. And so he wants to hear them speak from the abundance of their heart. They stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and are unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus goes, what things? If you don't think Jesus had a sense of humor, just, just read the red letters. He was super funny. I don't know, what are you talking about? And he says to them, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene. <clears throat> wow. Who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides all of this, it's the third day since these things happened. Some women among us amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body. They came saying that he had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, found it just as the women had actually said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, oh, this is his response. Right? to these guys who are hearing reports that they just find hard to believe. Well, I don't know if that's true. That seems a little too good to be true. And he says, Oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Is it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, think about this. Two guys get a seven-mile conference with the resurrected Son of God where he's now going to open up the Old Testament and, I mean, these guys, somebody should have pulled out their iPhone and recorded this, seriously. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he was going to go farther. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's getting toward evening. The day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with him, he took bread and blessed it. Breaking it, he began giving it to them. By the way, in every covenant, in every covenant, there's always a sign of the covenant. Like for for Noah, it was a sign of the rainbow. For Abraham, it was circumcision. A little different than a rainbow. (laughs) In the new covenant, (laughs) thank God for the new covenant, right? (laughs) In the new covenant, it's communion. Say it's baptism, but no, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. You remember when Jesus said, says, uh, unless you eat my flesh, we sang about it tonight, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And the disciples are all sitting around going, purely metaphor, certainly. We don't, we don't believe in cannibalism. And the Jews all said, I mean, thousands of people, they're all hanging out there and just listening to this and like, wow, that's a weird word. I'm sure it's an allegory. Let's hear what he's about to say next. And he goes, my flesh is food and my blood is drink. He doubles down on it. And everybody leaves. You think, like, why did everybody leave? That's how offended they got. Listen, I've sat in some bad sermons preaching some horrendous theology. I stick around because I enjoy a good train wreck as much as anybody. <laughs> At least it's entertaining. You know? Like, what what do you gotta say to get a to get a mega church of Jews to suddenly hit the road and go home? Jesus knows what he's doing, but what he's, actually, he's doing is he's inviting them to communion. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. He's inviting them to a table. He's inviting them to union. It's fascinating because then he turns to the disciples and goes, you guys leaving too? And Peter goes, Where are we going to go? If you answer a question with a question, it usually means you're kind of frustrated. So where are we going to go? You have the words of life. There's life on your words. What's Peter saying? He's like, I don't know what you just said right now. I have no clue. I do not understand why you just killed our (laughs) megachurch. But I'm not going anywhere. And here's why. I don't have to understand what you're saying. Whenever sound comes out of your mouth, I come alive on the inside. I'm following the life that's on your word. That's what he says. Where are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. When you speak, I come alive. Jesus sits down with these guys and he fulfills the sign of the new covenant. He breaks bread. He passes it around. And suddenly, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And in that moment, he vanishes out of their sight. And now they're just dumbfounded, sitting there, looking at one another. And one turns to the other and makes this observation. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked? We're going down the road, and he's saying some stuff. He's making sound come out of his mouth. something happened in here, my heart lit on fire. They didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't even recognize that it was him. They literally stood and let the word of God wash over them, and it ignited something inside of them. What was happening? There's a phrase I want you to think of. It's the phrase form and void. Back in Genesis, Genesis 1-2, the Bible says that the earth... Was without form and without void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. This verse is worth just sinking into for a while and just letting this sort of like stir up in your spirit. Without form means it had no shape, no identity, formless. It's one of the words for this weekend reformation. Some of you have been molded by this world, by society, by the political spirit and even the religious spirit into a shape that doesn't necessarily reflect the truth of who you are. And God, by his spirit, reaches in with his power, his hands, the energy, the light of his word. The Bible says the entrance, the psalm says the entrance of your word gives light and speaks into the formlessness to what? He brings information internal formation. It's more than just knowledge. It's the power of the Word of God to literally shape you and reshape you, form you and reform you. The earth was out form and void. What is void? Super simple word that just means empty. Now, you and I are made from this earth. One of my favorite revelations I preach almost every time I ever get up to talk a meeting or a conference. If you ever just want to remember one one teaching, if I could just just infuse and impart one super simple teaching into your heart, into your mind, that will completely blow your brain out for the rest of your life, and and leave you just blissfully happy and unable to recover. It's this simple teaching: when God created this world, He did so through sound. He spoke this earth, into existence. The universe is not bigger than God. The universe is in God. He transcends the universe. But he steps into this universe spoken into existence by sound, and when he speaks, he creates a dead environment. Just dead environments. Physical form, physical matter. Then the Bible says he speaks literally into what he's just spoken into existence. And the speech that he speaks into that physical environment produces life that's meant to live, move, have its being and thrive in that environment. So it's the way I like to explain it. When he wants to make fish, he just talks to water and says, let the sea bring forth. And everything that's meant to live and move and have its being in the sea comes forth and starts swimming around. He spoke the sea into existence. Then he spoke to the sea to create the life that's meant to draw its life from the sea. Fascinating. He does the same thing with plants and animals. He says, let the earth bring forth. And through the speech that he speaks into that earth, plants and animals come forth, start running around and doing what they're doing, living, moving, having their being in that environment. But then he changes everything up by saying this phrase, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Who's he speaking to? Angels? No, you're not made in the image and likeness of an angel. This is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, by nature, an other-centered, self-giving relationship of love, having an internal dialogue. So think of it like this. When he makes fish, he talks to water, right? When he makes plants and animals, he talks to the environment of the earth. When he makes man, he speaks to the environment of himself. Now, you're not God. God's not you. But you're more than dirt. (laughs) Then God adds something to it. Instead of just using sound, he gets his hands a little bit dirty, and he bends down to the earth that he's made, and he physically forms man. And he brings man right up here like this and goes, breathes. breathes, And the breath of God is word. Yahweh. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, by the way. Do you understand that the very first breath we ever drew was the Holy Spirit? I think we all remember this on a cellular level. I think all of us have this in our memory. I think we know this is true. That the very first breath that caused us to open our eyes was literally the Holy Spirit of God. In Him we live and move and have our being. You're the air I breathe. All these songs, they got to come from somewhere, right? We open our eyes to have the very first conscious experience we ever have as humanity, and that is to behold the face of a father that absolutely adores us. We were birthed in a face-to-face encounter with God. It's where we belong. And so God literally is, apart from man, everything else is spoken into existence. But man, made in his image and likeness, He speaks to himself, fashions with his hands, breathes his Holy Spirit into us, and we're birthed, opening our eyes to behold the face of a loving Father. It's where we belong, suddenly realizing we're part of a family here. We've been invited into the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, embraced in that union of the Trinity. Wow. When Jesus died on the cross, it's often said that he took us back to the, reset us back to that place where, like in the garden, we can walk with God in the cool of the day in unbroken, unhindered communication. And I think there's, there's truth to that. No doubt about that. But I'd like to suggest to you that perhaps he took us back a little further. Jeremiah chapter four, Jeremiah is looking into the future and he's going through all these things that he sees going on in the future. And then he says this phrase, and I see the earth without form and void. The city has been laid desolate. The earth is formless and void. that That sounds like before the garden. That sounds like when things had no identity and they were empty. And I look around the earth today. And see, I know what Christ accomplished on the cross. The finished work of the cross validated our innocence before God, purchased with blood our reconciled rest in union with our heavenly father again, brought us back to that place where where we are made right with God, not by what we have done, but by what Jesus did. But then I look around and I can see a world filled with people who do not know this. Formless. Formless. In other words, they don't have identity. They're trying to fit themselves. There's a mold maybe I'll fit into, and so they fit themselves into this mold to be accepted by this group. That's not working for me. I'm going to change that. I'm so accepted by this group. They love me. That's true. As long as you align with them, the minute you're out of alignment, wow, the venom and the fangs come out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The group that formerly accepted you? Doesn't matter who they are. Man, the minute you're out of alignment... Smackdown comes, and you're off finding a new group. What do you do? Reshape yourself into the image and likeness of whichever group. So what's happening? You're literally looking for your form. I also look all over the earth, and I see emptiness, void, people who are trying to fill their lives up with something that's not Jesus and wondering why it doesn't satisfy I was reading an article the other day that that said that a person uh, will continue to get happier and happier and happier when they make money up to the point of around $75,000. That's about the level of the height of happiness, 75 grand. Beyond that, the happiness goes down. Why? Because as the options grow, so does the pressure. The pressure And the stress, you say, well, that mean I'm supposed to stay poor all the days of my life? No, absolutely not. You're built to be a blessing. You can't be a blessing if you're not blessed. Hello? You don't help the poor by being poor. You're supposed to help the poor, right? (laughs) Thank you. God literally forms us by his word, and then on the cross, he redeems his image and likeness in us, and now you and I have been given an assignment. We are sent out into a world that's formless and void, and darkness is upon the face of the deep. Darkness is an interesting word here. It doesn't just mean the darkness that we see when we close our eyes. It literally means that which obscures. Now, something that's obscured means it's covering up something of substance. In other words, beyond, it's almost like a, like darkness is the absence of light. It's not a substance, but it's spoken of here as it is. Darkness is upon the face of the deep. The Bible talks about deep crying out to deep. There's something deep in you that is longing for a connection, that place of union with our Father. Many of you found it fresh this weekend. Darkness is upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God literally hovers over the water and God goes like this, let there be light. And God through sound releases the very thing that pierces the darkness to uncover the potential, the promise and the treasure beneath the darkness. Something that's there that hasn't been revealed yet. And here's the deal. You might be a full-on believer, spirit-filled, but I can tell you this much that you haven't seen all of who you are. When I say God knew you before he formed you, think about this. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah hears God say, I knew you before I formed you. Okay, so you knew me before I was even here. I get that. But then God says to Jeremiah, and before you were born, I consecrated you. That's set apart. That's like sanctification. Before you were born. And then God goes on and says, and I also appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So the things that we think we have to work to get into, like we have to strive to get into, God goes ahead and just gives Jeremiah a pass and says, heads up, before you were born, I knew you. In other words, we had some relationship. I already consecrated you, and I already appointed and anointed you as a prophet to the nations. So, heads up. So God isn't looking for you to qualify yourself for a calling. He knows what's beneath the deep what's beneath the darkness. He knows what's obscured in the treasure of who you are. But for some of you, the darkness is over the face of the deep in you that's trying out to the deep in him. And what happens? God could come down and he could speak directly into your heart and he could say, let there be light. But you know what he's chosen to do instead? Use people. Jesus says, as the Father, John 17, excuse me, John 20, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And he sent you with a voice. He sent you with a sound. And as you speak and release that sound, you know what you're doing? You're literally speaking through the darkness that's obscuring the treasure in every heart that's around you. And as you speak, you're actually Forming. I had a lady come up to me after a meeting recently. Tracy and I were standing out just talking with people, and this lady walks up to me and goes, She's kind of like stumbling like this, and goes, I feel like my DNA just got altered tonight. I thought that's the greatest compliment. I've ever received in my entire life. What just happened? There was an internal reformation because something of the sound of heaven leaked out and and suddenly went through the darkness into the deep of who she was. And the Bible says the entrance of thy word gives light and something just happened inside. Some of you are experiencing the same thing right now. Like it's starting to happen. You're going, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm going through a DNA alteration right now starting to believe some things about yourself, maybe that you never believed before. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Bible says, Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people, but the glory of God will rise upon you and kings will come streaming to the brightness of your arising. It's a promise that Jesus put on display, but it's actually for you. Because 1 John four seventeen says, As he is, so are we in this world. So could it be that you could sit down and have a conversation with people, and as you're conversing, you're conscious and aware of the presence of God in the moment. Why? Because Jesus said, every time you sit down and break bread, you're having communion. In other words, put me in the middle of it. Put me in the middle of every conversation in the middle. Stick me in the middle of all of this, and what will happen? You'll release a light that will actually ignite a flame in hearts. heart. We, we had uh, lunch today. We just went over to Kirby Lane and had chicken and pancakes. I, we should probably repent. Really. It's amazing. I'm even awake right now. <clears throat> Chicken and pancakes, syrup and buffalo sauce, a mountain of sin on a plate. And, uh, And suddenly we start talking about the word of the Lord in our lives, right? That's just a conversation. Nobody's sitting there going, let us now begin to be holy. It wasn't that. There was jokes. We were laughing. It was fun. And all of a sudden, somebody starts talking about the word of the Lord in our lives. And as we're talking, we're all kind of like leaning in over the table. And suddenly I realize this is happening right now. When you monitor your conversation, be really, really conscious of how you partner with heaven in the words you speak, because you're actually releasing fire. You arise and shine from here." And What is the glory of God? The glory of God comes out of here. What is the glory of God? Moses goes to the mountain one day and he makes a request to God, God, show me your glory. And God goes, I'm going to make all of my goodness to pass before you. So the glory of God is defined as the goodness of God on display. Moses gets done with this moment with God, and he comes down from the mountain, and he's literally glowing. He's shining so brightly under an old covenant, they have to put a sheet over him to have a conversation with him. What did Moses get? He got a revelation of the glory of God. And he comes back and goes, I know what the glory is. It's when you actually see the goodness of God. When you see how good he is. Like, wow. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory, the goodness of God on display is risen upon you. So the glory of the goodness of God on display shows up here. I, you saw what Joaquin did this morning. I don't know if he caught it or not. You'd be like, ooh, Joaquin's got a gift on his life. And he does. He's cultivated that secret place relationship with God. But did you see what activated it? He spoke
4: of the good things
1: God had done. Oh, I saw a guy got healed of this and such and such and such. Oh, I saw a lady got healed of this. What happened? The same thing he talked about, the goodness of God, started igniting hearts in the room and healing started to happen. What was he doing? Talking about healing. I'm in a conference one time. I'm sitting there going along. And it's all talking about the goodness of God. The whole thing is about the goodness of God. Tons of people out in this conference. I'm just going along talking about the goodness of God. And all of a sudden I feel the Lord say, hey, I'm healing people. Pay attention. That's how he talks to me. Okay? I don't know how he talks to you, but that's how he talks to me. It sounds like a little bit of a Jersey accent. Anyway. Hey, I'm talking to you. Pay attention. Not really, but my head. <laughs> Everybody from Jersey's like, I knew it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so, so. He goes, I'm healing people, pay attention. I stop and I'm thinking, now I lost my whole train of thought. I can't think of anything else but the fact that God's healing people in the room. I said, okay, look, look, I feel like God's healing people in the room. Uh, check yourself. You came, you came in here with tumors, chronic condition of pain, something testable or noticeable, something broken or whatever. Test and see if it's still broken, messed up, tumor's still there. First guy gets up, had a tumor on his neck, instantly goes away, gets up and he goes like this, I'm healed. All of a sudden, popcorn all over the room, like 64 people, creative miracles in that moment. I'm sitting there looking around the room. I'm more shocked than anybody else. It's not a healing conference. (laughs) Just talking about the goodness of God. (laughs) I get done, I go back to the green room. I'm standing there and I go over to a precious father in the faith and I say, I don't understand. That's just wild. It just broke out. And he looks at me like I was stupid and he goes, what were you talking about? Goodness of God. He said, well, what did you expect to manifest? I didn't realize it at the moment. What was I doing? I was just talking about what the Lord was doing. I just drew attention to the presence of the Lord. And in that moment, you know what happened? The glory of His goodness started showing up in the room, and everything that was contrary to heaven started being made right. I was in that meeting, actually, the the girl who co wrote Reckless Grace with me, her name is Britt Eaton. She was messed up in her body, her marriage was messed up on the rocks. And uh, she, she, Nazarene girl, sweet Nazarene girl who had been drugged, kicking and screaming at this conference. And in the middle of that session, got up in a fence and walked out. And she stepped out into the foyer and she said she collided with the Lord and said, turn around and go back in there. She didn't want to. She went back in and God just absolutely wrecked her life uh, for for eternity, I guess. And uh, we ended up writing the book Reckless Grace together. Because that word became her life's message, healed her body, healed her marriage. I mean, grace of God does that. What happens? How do you release the grace of God? Find out the goodness of God that he's shown in your life. Discover the places where the glory has shown up and talk about it. Tell people what the Lord has done for you. And in that moment, what will happen? Something will be ignited in the hearts of people. People will walk away going, I don't know what just happened, but I had a conversation. And while I'm talking to this person, my heart's burning in me did not our hearts burn within us? You know what you're doing in that moment? You're raising the dead. You don't have to wait till a person's heart stops to raise the dead, because there's a lot of formless void walking around out here with no clue as to what in the world their life's purpose is, why they're even here. People out there are frustrated, like, I didn't even sign up for this. I didn't get to choose my race. I didn't get to choose my gender. I didn't even get to pick my name. I didn't get to pick who I was born to. I I don't even know how I got here, but I guess I'm here, so now I got to make the best of it. So give me a job I hate, give me a routine in my day, and I'm just going to bide my time and watch myself get older in the mirror and spend my life paying bills and die. Seriously, you're made in the image and likeness of an eternal God who made you not to just pass away into obscurity and off into eternity. He made you for eternity. It's going to take eternity to get to know how good he actually is. Let me tell you something about heaven. You know when John actually was standing in the throne room in Revelation? John, four times in the book of Revelation, has such an overwhelmingly inappropriate response, they have to stop the whole play so that an angel or an elder can come over to John and say, okay, look, this is what's happening and this is why it's happening, all right? Pull yourself together, man. Which tells me you can be in the throne room and not have a clue as to what's going on, which tells me that we are going to learn in eternity. I hope the orientation class is good. Like, so, so I'm not standing in the throne room. They have to stop everything and go, would somebody explain to Bill what's happening right now? <laughs> the goodness of God on your lips releases the light of heaven into the formless void of human beings made in his image and likeness, but made from the dust of the earth. The earth is without form and void. And I think the cross took us back to that point and then took the people of God and said, I'm going to go ahead and give you a torch. And that torch is your tongue. Talk about my goodness, release my glory and light this world up. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, 22 says, Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly, above and beyond all you could what? Ask. Ask or think. Think about that. What is asking? That's my prayer life. What do I do when I pray? I'm asking God stuff. I'm speaking words to God. I'm, I'm listening. But not only just asking, not only praying, but think. In other words, that's my imagination. God is fully intending for his glory and his goodness to go beyond the reach of your wildest prayer and beyond the reach of your wildest imagination. That's why I say God's better than you think, and you cannot imagine him better than he is. Where's he going to do that? How's he going to go beyond you? It says, beyond all you could ask or think, according to the power at work within you. So, Remember when I said, the "Universe is in God. He transcends the universe size, matter, space. His intention is to violate the laws of physics and science by going beyond you, but he's going to do it from within you. <laughs> what does he want to do? He doesn't just want to stand apart from you and show his goodness off like doing a tap dance and going, ta-da, what do you think? It's not the way he's working. He literally has made you the home for his presence, and he's going, all right, I'm going to show myself better than I thought I could, but I'm going to do it from within here, and I'm going to go beyond the limits of this. In other words, he's coming in to blow you up. (laughs) Kind of cool. When you stop and think about it, just, wow. (sighs) To him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think according to the power at work within you, to him be glory in the church. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are glorious. And if you're married, that's a good thing to say on a regular basis, all right? (laughs) Say you're glorious, it's not even your fault. That's Yeah, that's a good thing to say. You're glorious, it's not even your fault. (laughs) You didn't even do it. It's amazing. To him be glory in the church. What is he saying? To him be the goodness of his glory, his brightness, the fire, the light of his countenance be on display inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory is you raising the dead with the fire that God has placed on your tongue. By when you unveil the goodness of the Lord, by when you unveil the glory of God from here, in the songs we sing, in the words we speak, in the conversations we have, you know what you can expect? People might not see who you really are. Why? Formless, void, darkness is over the face of the deep. They walk away going, Our hearts are burning here. Something's going on. I'm going to go back to where the fire is. People will always remember where they felt the fire. No, always remember. Carry the torch of the fire of God and the goodness of God and the glory of God on your tongue. And people will come back to hear more. They'll come back to get close to the fire. Jesus said in Matthew 24, In the last days the love of many will grow cold. It's gonna come a place where humanity's gonna find coldness in our love. And can I tell you, it's a tragic thing, but I've seen it happen in the church. I've seen it in the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ. Sometimes hanging out with Christians, come on. You know what I'm talking about? You start thinking to yourself, I'm gonna spend eternity with these folks? <laughs> is, is, there a, is there another cruise I can take? <laughs> Is is there like another cruise line with another crowd here? I don't know. I want to spend eternity with
4: these. Really?
1: I feel like what God is doing in this moment is he's given you and I an awareness of the power, the glory of the fire of God that we have on our tongue. So we're going to do something tonight to close this night, this conference, this service out. We're going to do some prophetic ministry and release some fire into this room. You fun? All right. And I'm going to have some friends come and help me with this tonight. And uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Joel, do me a favor. Hop up and find me me, uh, five people in the room. Five people in the room. Just pick. Cool. Come on up. Come on up and just spread out across the front. I'm going to add two to it that I know came up, friends that came up to me and said, um, I got a word. Um, so John Gibson, come help me out. Sharice Best, come on and help me out. These are some dear friends, and all you guys are standing up here facing this way. Turn and face that way. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going to do some prophetic ministry this evening. Thank you. We're going to do some uh, prophetic ministry, and these guys are going to be our ministry team. Now, in order to be, we did this, I think, last time, and uh, I love doing this. This is so much fun. In order, you guys are going to be our team leaders tonight, but in order to be a leader, you've got to have a follower. So <clears throat> we're going to have you guys scan the room, and I want you to let somebody just stand out to you. I don't care how they stand out. I don't care who they are. I don't care how old, how young, it doesn't matter. How they stand out to you will be however God shows them to you. They're going to be your ministry team student tonight. See, you guys thought you were off the hook, yeah. Right? All right, so, but you're not, all right? So anybody can do this, by the way. This isn't rocket science. You gotta be just childlike and just simply trust the Lord, all right? So scan the room, look around the room, find somebody, and uh, go get them. Bring them back with you. Go, go, quick. All right, that's fun. Cool. All right. So the first people that came up, you guys are ministry team leaders. People that got brought up, you guys are ministry team students tonight. This will be the way the dynamic works this evening. Now, quick, real quick, we're gonna do some quick training. Prophetic training 101. Every single one of you can hear from God. Okay? You can all prophesy. Doesn't mean you carry the office of a prophet. It's another class altogether. You say, I, I can't prophesy. Okay, quick. Does Jesus live in you? Yes. Is Jesus a prophet? Yes, so it's spiritually illegal to say you can't prophesy if Jesus lives in you, right? (laughs) So prophetic ministry tonight is just simply saying what's on the heart of God, okay? So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to give a couple of words over people that are out here, okay? You guys are going to do this in pairs. So for example, the two of you are going to work together, leader, student, and here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to have the students pick somebody out out here. Now, you guys don't have to move or do anything. You're just going to be the subject of what they're going to do. And so the student is going to make the choice. In other words, you're going to scan the room. You're going to let somebody just stand out to you, and you're going to say, okay, I picked that person. But you're not going to let them know. You're going to let your leader know. Okay. You're going to let your leader know, and then you guys are going to work separately from that point on, but you're both going to focus on the same person. So let's say, for example, you chose John David, you'd turn and say, I picked this guy right down here, and then both of you would begin to pray over John David, just basically saying, okay, God, what are you saying about John David? Here's what you're going to ask God for tonight, okay? We're going to go for two specific things tonight, a word and a picture. It's a good starter, though, to get everybody kind of moving in this, all right? So if you don't know what God's saying or speaking, say, God, just give me a word, and then pay attention to the very first word that comes to mind, okay? Second thing is just, God, give me a picture. Pay really close attention to the first thing that God shows you. The first, this, your imagination is not an evil thing. It's a gift of God, yes. Right? like reawakening the childlike heart in you. That's, that's what the imagination is. It's a limitless canvas upon which God can create an amazing existence that transcends the boundaries of what people think is capable, they're capable of. So imagination's actually beautiful when it's sanctified. Tonight, one quick ground rule though, tonight, every word we are going to give is going to be positive, uplifting, and encouraging. Now, why do I say that? Because if I don't, we're doing public ministry, and we say we're going to do prophetic ministry, everybody in the room starts repenting of all kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, oh no, they're going to air my dirty laundry. People start partnering with the spirit of fear, and everything gets shut down. We can't get anything done, all right? So for the sake of public ministry, this is a super safe room right now. Everybody is going to get a word that's going to get a word tonight. Is going to get a word that is positive, uplifting, and encouraging, okay? That's a super important thing to know tonight. And you say, what if I see, what if I see something that's negative over somebody? Like, like what, if I, what, if I, what if I look down here at Steve and I go, oh, man, I see, Steve, he's lonely. Whew. I don't, but let's say I did, right? Now, Old Covenant, listen, Old Covenant prophetic ministry was diagnosing problems. That was a big deal in the Old Covenant. Thus says the Lord, you're all sinners and deserve to die. I mean, that was a lot of Old Covenant ministry, right? <clears throat> People are like, oh, wow, that's heavy. New Covenant prophetic ministry is actually bringing the solution into the problem, right? So New Covenant prophetic ministry is you look at a person, you go, oh, wow, maybe I do see, maybe if I see loneliness, what do I do with that? Well, okay, I reach back into heaven's medicine cabinet and I grab a hold of the solution to the problem. I'm not going to draw attention to the problem. I am actually going to go with the solution. So I might look over at my friend and I say, say, uh, Brother Smothers, I say, hey, I just see uh, God bringing you into a season of covenant relationships where he's going to surround you with voices that reflect the kingdom of heaven, that speak fire and life into you so that you never, never walk alone again. What have you done? You've exalted the solution Minimized the problem, brought healing to the moment, okay? Kept it positive. So you guys are solutionaries. That's a good word. Let's hang on to that. You guys are prophetic solutionaries tonight. Everybody out here, do me a favor and stretch your hands toward them. You guys put your hands out just like this. Father, I pray tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would awaken a prophetic voice in every person that's standing up here tonight, not just in this company of people tonight. But Father, in every person that's in this room, God, we want to release from, from our mouth the torch of heaven that ignites hearts, that makes hearts burn within them, that brings shape and identity that which, to that which is formless and fills up with the joy of the Lord, that which is void. Amen? Amen, it's who you are. It's what you're gonna to do tonight. All right, hands down. Students, just scan the room. You don't have to go anywhere. Just scan the room, pick somebody out. When you pick them out, turn to your leader, tell them who you chose. And then separately, you're gonna ask God to give you a word or a picture. Try to go for both. Try to go for both. You say, well, okay, what if I just, all I get is a word that doesn't mean anything? No big deal. Be faithful to release the one word that God gives you. Sometimes you have an elevator ride to release a word that will ignite a heart. Sometimes you have a waitress or a waiter coming to your table. You don't want to dishonor that restaurant by sitting there and keeping them at your, your table, holding them, you know, prophesying over them for the next two hours. That'll get a person fired, okay? You honor that place of business by going, God, give me one word for this person. And listen, if you're, if you're faithful to release the one word that you feel the Lord gives you that encourages somebody's heart, you'll find that it's like uncorking a bottle. Suddenly, you could prophesy over that person for the next 10 hours without taking a breath. It's amazing how that works. And we just gotta get good sometimes at starting to just give these quick words, elevator words, I call them. You'd be surprised how you just might be igniting a heart with just a moment of obedience. I'm just giving you guys time. <laughs> Awesome. We're gonna let these guys start because they're right in the middle and they look like they're ready to go. <laughs> All right, so who's the leader and who's the student? Leader and student, okay. S- step forward here with me. What's your name? Brianne. Brianne. Go ahead and put the microphone up like that. Cool. Who'd you choose? Um,
0: the man right there in the fly with the mustache. <laughs> that guy,
1: right there. Okay, go ahead and stand up for me, sir, so we can see, see who you are. Okay, what did you see and what did you hear?
0: You just stood out to me, and I could um, uh, just see God was um, shining down on you and that um, he was really you know, just overflowing glory on you. Yeah,
1: I love that. All right, shining, overflowing <laughs> glory. Cool, huh? All right, stretch your hand out to him. I want you to just, we're not going to pray over him, we're going to make a declaration. And um, here's how we can maybe start this. Just use the phrase, I release and declare.
0: I release and declare.
1: Okay, now, say go. I want you to do it again. But then I want you to see that glory, see that light, that whatever you see that God's saying over him or shining down on him. And I want you to say, I release and declare. But then I want you to speak again what you saw and what you heard. Go.
0: I release and declare the glory that God is shining down on your life. Yeah. Keep going. And the overflow of grace yeah. and mercy that he's going to show you in your future. And and he's going to heal your past, whatever it is, Lord. That you're just going to just completely overflow his cup. And it's just going to keep overflowing in every single part of his life, Lord. That you're just going to declare. And you're going to just completely <laughs> just restore him, Lord. Just whatever is just going on, Lord, that you're just going to completely wash it away. You're going to wash everything clean, Lord. You're just going to take it all away from
1: (laughs) them. Feel
5: that? (laughs) That's fun, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Good job. Okay, so that's how you do it. All right, everybody? She set the standards, set the bar super high. That's what it looks like. When you go to give a prophetic word, it will always start out as information. Almost like you're fishing a little bit. I just see God shining down glory over your life. See the light of God. But when you know you've caught the heart of the Father, take that information and turn it into a declaration. It's almost like you feel the crown of heaven, the royalty of heaven, and the robe of righteousness. It's almost You realize I'm seated on the throne because you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And from that vantage point, as you speak, you speak with an authority to establish what you've heard and what you've seen. Okay? In that moment, there's an anointing shift in the room. And now you're not just giving out information, you're giving out revelation. And it's revelation that reforms and reshapes you. Mm-hmm. Good job. Well done. All right. Or the same guy. What'd you see? What'd you hear? I heard it. he was pleased
5: to be in you. I heard he was pleased to be in you. Wow. Well, that's good.
1: You, your family has nothing to do
4: with who you are in God. You belong to him, and he is pleased to be in you. Wow. How
1: many of you needed to hear that word for yourself tonight? Yes. Right? The Bible says, <laughs> I love this. The Bible says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Deuteronomy nineteen nineteen. the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things he has revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So when you hear a word spoken over somebody's life and you know that it's got, it's got heaven sound on it, by faith, even though maybe if it wasn't directed to you, you can say, God, by faith, I let that word be appropriated to me. It's you being the woman with the issue of blood walking up behind Jesus and putting a demand on what he was carrying. So if you needed to hear that, he's pleased to live in you, to make you his home, some of you who've been defined by your families and let your family's words shape and define you into something that is different than God intended for you to be are you getting some freedom tonight. Mm-hmm. Amen. Give these guys a hand. They did a great job. You guys can have a seat. Woo. Simple as that. Let's go down to the end here. I, like, I got like electrocuted when I touched you, man. Let's, you guys, come on down here. <clears throat> come on down to the center. So, leader, student, cool. All right. What's your name? Eddie. 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 Who'd you pick?
5: Uh, the fellow back there with the blue shirt.
1: This is a hot section tonight. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, what'd you see and what'd you hear? Um, uh, uh,
5: yeah. Just confidence, um, boldness. S- Somewhere you were labeled with neither one of those and there's just a, there's willingness, There's you have a desire in your heart to be confident, and be bold. Mm.
1: Stretch your hand out toward him and release and declare that. Go for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: There's a braveness in your heart and a boldness. Yeah. And a willingness, and it's just take that small step, yeah. and it'll have a big, huge result. Just yeah. one tiny little step. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ooh, good job, Eddie. Go ahead and pass it on. What'd you see and what'd you hear? You have an unquenchable fire inside of you. Your hunger for God. You come to the altar. You have no shame. You don't care what anybody is is, is thinking or say. You're here, and it may seem. It, I feel like you you've been waiting for something, and you come to him constantly, and he sees you. He knows you. He's going to reward you because he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Come on, but you you. You, you are an inspiration to everyone who, who comes into contact with you. Praise because, God. like I said, you have this just hunger for God. And he's going to do great things with you. Stretch your right hand out to him. Just release the fire of God over Go for it. Oh, Heavenly Father. I know you see his heart. It's burning for yeah. you, Lord Jesus. It cannot be quenched. He loves you. And yes, he's been waiting. But we know, we know that you see him. And it's going to happen soon. And he's going he's to accomplish great things for you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Do me, do me a favor.
1: You guys just go back and meet him in the aisle and just pray for him however you see fit. And by the way, you guys, I look at you guys, I'm like, these guys could be bouncers, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like the Lord says you are, but you bounce with grace. So <laughs> bounce demons, come on. <laughs> All the way on the ends. Have you guys come on down to the middle? Wow. It's like a gentle, weighty glory in this room. Feel it? Cool. All right. Student? All right. Who'd you pick? Um
5: you with the you.
1: Right there? She just raised her. The
5: white white shirt with the black. Oh, right there. Okay.
1: Okay. And 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 the one behind you, we get spillover. It's like like overflow. (laughs) Splash over there. It's all good. All right. All right, what'd you see and what'd you hear?
3: Um,
5: I see the Lord um, yes. yeah. wanting you to know you are noticed. He will pick you in a, in a, in a filled room with a thousand, thousands of people. <sighs> he knows you. He knows your thoughts, your desires. And he wants to fulfill all of them. He noticed you. He loves you. He
1: picks you, hun. You can't hide in the crowd. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Loving. All right. Go ahead. What would you see? What would you hear?
3: So I heard Panda, and then I saw this, like, picture of, like, You, whenever you were little and you were, like, hugging this panda and you loved it, and then it got ripped away and you were really sad because it was what brought you comfort and it brought you peace. And then I saw another picture of you. As you were older, it seemed like you still had the panda. You were hugging the panda. But as soon as the panda got taken away, right, you didn't have the same reaction. You were still comforted because, right, you've had the growth and now you know that God is the one that comforts you. Jesus has came and he's here to comfort you. And so just seeing that, that, that growth and that change and just like seeing that really understanding now that the Lord is really where your comfort comes from.
1: Yeah. Go ahead and stay standing, would you? While she was saying this, while these guys were both talking, um, I I saw, I saw that you, you had a few years of childhood but not nearly as many as you should have. I feel like you had a childhood that was stolen. There were some years that were taken away, and I feel like God's saying, it's okay. I was there, and I'm giving them back. I'm giving them back. You have permission to be a child again, okay? I'm giving them back. So God, I thank you for restoring. Stretch your hands out. Too. I thank you, Father, for restored youth, restored childhood. God's given you permission to play again, yeah, you get to be, yeah, you're gonna get your childhood restored and then some, and then some, and then some, and then some. I feel like that theft, of that childhood, listen, they didn't know what they were doing. It's like Jesus is identifying you within that moment when he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And God's restoring, he's giving it back to you. It's going to come back in your dreams. It's going to come back in unexpected moments of inappropriate laughter. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're going to start laughing. I don't even know why. <laughs> it's like I don't know what's happening here, because that's joy that transcends happiness. It's bigger than happiness. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for restored joy. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Good job. Give him a hand. give it right. Student, teacher, who's who? Student. student. good, awesome.
6: Um, Who'd you the, pick? The beautiful lady in the red dress. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, what'd you see and what'd you hear?
6: So that's interesting. Okay, do you have a cane or is that your husband's cane? Okay, so I heard the word earthquake. And uh, um, yeah, I'm just gonna go for it. Um, from Acts 16, verse 26 in the Passion, it says, Suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison all at once, and come every on. prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners come, came loose. And what I saw actually is you were dancing, but you were, like, jumping. And when you started jumping, jumping, your feet actually started shaking the foundation of the earth, and it started bringing open prison doors, and shackles were coming loose. And your husband, who actually thought had the cane, was just banging this stick on the ground, but not like in the Old Testament where he didn't bang it enough. Like, he just kept going as you were dancing and dancing. And, like, then you began to spin around like a little girl, and then there's this... (laughs) <laughs> it was such a cool vision. Then there was this swirl of angels around you where just freedom, freedom, freedom just flew from just the presence of God in and around you. And Ooh. so I just, I just release, I just release Come on. the fact that you are a chain breaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that the ground that you step on, there will literally be an earthquake. So I'm kind of scared to be near you because you have so much power that the ground will shake because, because of what God's going to do with you and through you. But even more than that, that the demons will shudder because of the word of your testimony.
1: Awesome. What'd you see and what'd you hear?
5: Uh, I can't top that, wow. Um, (laughs) You picked her. (laughs) Well done. Uh, The word I got was sacrifice. And that was paired with this just overwhelming feeling of security and warmth. And I don't know what that means for you, but the way I just kind of saw it was that you've just put yourself on the altar for, I don't know, family, friends, uh, people in your life in a way that has... Change them, transform them, or shown them even just uh, just an inkling of the grace of God and that you've been uh, an image uh, of God for, for people that really needed it. Um, Come on. Yeah.
1: While he's talking, I, just, I see the Father's heart all over you. Yeah. Women can carry the Father's heart, everybody, right? And I just see the Father's heart all over you. And absolutely what he said. Amen. And bless you to dance. As you dance, you release the Father's heart over people. Mm. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand. Good yeah. job, guys. Well done. All right. All the way on the end, come on to the center. This is fun. Don't make this just a workshop. This is a lifestyle. Uh huh. All right. What'd you pick?
6: So our person is the guy
1: in the um, gray. This gentleman right here next to the blonde lady with the winning. Yes. Okay, cool. Go ahead and stand up. All right. What What'd you see and what would you hear?
6: So what I hear is um, all I heard was the evangelist and that mm-hmm. God is speaking um the Father's heart of an evangelist in you. Just want to bring encouragement in that direction.
1: That's all I can Good word. (laughs) All right.
2: I got good father. Um, The Holy Spirit stirred up in me that there's a doubt of some sort in you that comes possibly from a generational grandfather, father, and that you are not that, that you are the chain breaker, that you are the one that's going to draw the line in the sand yeah. and start making the difference. And that from here forward, things are going to be different in your family. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I got.
1: Yeah, while she was just talking and looking at you, I see God says you're, you're a good dad. Whether you know it or not, you're a good dad. You've got the heart of a good father. And, and people have been coming to you. Matter of fact, they've been doing this for a long time. They've been coming to you, and they pour their hearts out to you because they feel like you're safe. Right? It's the mark of an evangelist. You don't even have to do anything to draw people to you to open their hearts. I feel like God's making you like a Holy Ghost bartender because that's what people do when they come to the bar. <laughs> like they go, to the, they go to the bar. They may not know this guy behind the bar. He's sitting there wiping down glasses, and they're going, an hour later, you're still telling me your story. I don't even know who this guy is. And I know everything about you. I feel like God's making you a Holy Ghost bartender. You're a safe place for people to come and be vulnerable because you're going to give them grace. You're going to introduce them to Jesus. You're going to ignite people's hearts. But I feel like the Lord says, He just wants you to know you're a good father. Yeah. And, and uh huh.
7: I just want to add that children come to their fathers for advice and so if people are coming to you like he's saying then that means that like, that's a mark of a, of a good father and mm-hmm. so that's like evidence physical tangible evidence that you have that you are a good father because not just your children come to you for advice but other people yeah. come to you and feel like, like you're safe
1: good word awesome it's spreading now okay <laughs> good job guys have a seat excellent all right Come on, st- go for it. Who'd you choose?
3: Um, the girl in the white sweater with the white rim on your glasses, blonde hair. Yeah.
1: That is just a, that's an awesome section tonight. <laughs> what'd you see and what'd you hear?
3: I saw a vision of you and you were standing almost like in an aisle of people. People were surrounding you on each side. The people were covered in darkness and you had this like glowing hands and you would touch someone and the darkness would literally crumble to the ground next to them. And then the next person that you would touch, their hands would start to glow and they would touch the person across from them and the darkness would crumble, like literally like darkness crumbling at their feet. And this was just spreading, spreading like a domino effect, just darkness beginning to crumble at everyone's feet. Um, So yeah, I just declare that over you that you have permission to crumble darkness. Come on. That you carry light inside of you and that when you say that darkness has to go, it has to leave. And I just encourage you to live that out, that where darkness is, you can cast that out. You have permission to do that and people around you trust you to do that. Then it's going to be a domino effect in your life.
1: Mm, My goodness.
3: Well, I'm really glad that she went first,
7: because <laughs> um, what I heard was unspeakable joy, and I saw you like on a trampoline, like jumping around and bouncing around and stuff. And so I'm going to just add that to what she said is, it's the joy of the Lord that crumbles the darkness. And so it's the joy that's in you coming out from you that crumbles the darkness. And so, yeah.
1: I love that. Now, keep the mic. You had a corporate word that you had for these people.
7: I did. Um mm-hmm.
1: Go ahead and give this that. This
7: morning, I felt like um, the Lord was saying, um, well, let me just start with this. Uh, we came to the Heart and Soul Conference two years ago. And two years ago, um, the Lord launched my husband and I into starting a church. We live up in Round Rock. And um, so we started an outdoor church with some friends. And um, this year, I felt like I heard the Lord saying that this is the year that he is going to launch new ministries within you guys. And so if you belong to Jesus, then you have a ministry. It doesn't have to look like this corporate stuff here. Like, this is awesome and great. But you have your own individual um, ministry that God has given you. And so I, I feel like he's launching you guys into a new ministry or a unique ministry. Or if you already have a ministry, he's like getting you to the next level of ministry. And it's going to be new and different and amazing. So,
1: How many of you know that's you? Okay. Keep your, put both hands up. I want you to release and declare it over them. This is a moment, go for it.
7: I release and declare new ministry within all of these people in here, Lord. And I I thank you for the work that you are doing in all of us in here, Lord. And I thank you that you are showing us new ways to minister and showing us that we have a lifestyle of ministry. That it doesn't have to just happen when we think that it's supposed to happen, but it can happen every second of every day and every single thing that we do. So I just release and declare unique ministries, new ministries, new levels of ministry, and just new ways of thinking about ministry. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Amen. Come on. (laughs) Good job. Good job. Come on over, guys. All right. Who'd you choose? Yeah. <laughs> Who'd you pick out?
7: Um, oh, out here? um, the man in the, uh, dark blue with the goatee with the, yes, you, yeah. All right. Um. What's your name? Oh, yeah. What's your
1: name? Dennis. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, what'd you see and what'd you hear?
7: So I saw clear skies and just a light over you and, um, I felt like the Lord was speaking that He wants to give you clear vision to see Him and that this light will um, give the people around you knowledge of, um, of God and that your wisdom will bring clarity to other people. And that was the, just the clear sky that I saw. Um, so yeah, and I also kept hearing renewed light. Yeah.
4: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? (laughs) Dennis, I asked the Lord for a picture. And and I saw a little sparrow. Uh, You guys just grab onto this word. I saw a sparrow that was capable of walking on water. And the water remained still at his feet. And I said, Lord, what is the word for this man? And he said, this is a man who exemplifies meekness. And he said, I've searched the earth and I have found few Ah, who exemplify meekness. And he said, there is a promise for this man on the other side of this meekness. And he said, the meek will inherit the earth. And he said, I have promised this man a lineage that will outlive him. And he said, there have been many sons, but few fathers. Yes. And he said, I've promised him more sons because this man has walked like Abraham in the promise. And so, Dennis, we bless you with the lineage that will outlive you. That a legacy would spring up from you with sons that would find you everywhere you go. That everywhere you go, sons will find you and say, Dad, I've seen the Father in your eyes. And so we bless you in Jesus' name. Oh, little sparrow, he has not forgotten about you. Yeah.
1: Amen. Wow. Good job, guys. Stand with me. Stand with me. We've gone late tonight, but let's just take take a moment, direct our attention toward the Lord. And let's close this out in worship tonight.